0: Men deserve toys, too. Manly toys. With Goat Guns, we turned historical firearms into accurate miniature gun models. They are one-third the scale and less than one-tenth the cost. Our die-cast metal models come with intricate working parts, so you have something to fidget around with during those work calls. Have a little fun and start your gun model collection today at GoatGuns.com. Floor. Nothing personal. Word of the day. How is everyone's weekend? It's Monday, February 15th, President's Day. But here at Nothing Personal, of course, we've got a show for you because how can you get through a weekend? every, Every weekend, Coke and I are in touch. There's so much going on. We can't wait to get to Monday. It's not a holiday here. No chance. The word of the day is floor because that is the big talk in Major League Baseball right now. Salary floor. Salary cap. Los Angeles Dodgers, the Pittsburgh Pirates. I want to give you some context to talk about how teams are put together, when teams decide what to spend, when teams decide what not to spend, when teams are okay going over the luxury tax threshold, and when teams put up the blue-checked flag like they're in the Daytona 500 before spring training even starts. Because this week, we we, we made it. Coke, I think we're going to lose the weight to see. Hard to believe. We're not taking the loss yet because I have not seen a team report. But spring training is starting this week. No delay. Forget the fact that no one can get a vaccine. Five hours on the website looking for a place. Come on. Let's be better. So here's the question about floors and salary floors. Because so many people, so many fans, so many people in the media, they argue that They want their team to spend more money. When teams sign players, fans get excited. When payrolls go up, fans get excited. When teams don't perform the way fans want them to perform and players are then traded or released, fans get upset. Why are you trading this guy? It happened with the Rockies. How could you be trading Nolan Arenado? Well, we're not winning with him. We might as well not win without him. That's just business, right? Trade Giancarlo Stanton. How could you do that? Well, we're not winning with him. Might as well not win without him. So then you say to yourselves, wait a minute, this isn't fair. How can we be in a division with Los Angeles Dodgers? How can we compete with a team whose payroll is approaching 260 million dollars. Our team only has a payroll of 40, 50, 55. The Dodgers payroll this year will be the highest in baseball. The Dodgers payroll will be the highest in baseball by an amount larger than the payroll of almost the bottom five of any team in the bottom five. I mean, you've got Pittsburgh, Baltimore. Did I ever tell you the Baltimore story, Coca? I got a quick side Baltimore story. I'm looking at their payroll this year. They're projected to be around $45 million. In 1993, that is 28 years ago. 28, when Jeffrey Loria almost bought the Baltimore Orioles from the bankruptcy court when the owner Eli Jacobs had gone bankrupt and Peter Angelos ended up getting the team. I was not involved in baseball at the time. I was in law school or fit or just just done with law school. And what I did know, having gone through some of the numbers with the Orioles is that they were at their peak. They were selling out Camden Yards. They were locked into a TV deal. There was no thought that salaries would go where they've gone, where they have, in my opinion, and it's not anecdotal because I was a part of it, seen payrolls go up in ways that I hadn't expected without the concomitant increase in ticket revenue, or even broadcast revenue. And the Orioles were tapped out. So the math was that the only amount of money that this team could sell for would be $172 million. So Jeffrey bid $172 million in an auction. Angelus bid 173 and got the Orioles. When Jeffrey said, congratulations, good luck. And during the time of the bidding, there were breaks in between the bids in between the rounds. And Jeffrey had investment bankers who were telling him, listen, there is no formula we can give you that makes this team worth more than $172 million. And that's a reach. The original bidding and math was for Jeffrey not to go over 150. And at the time, that would have been insanity. But when you get swept up in the moment of an auction, as sometimes can happen, you get to 153, 54, 55, it goes up. Meanwhile, the bankers are tugging on his coat saying, I don't know where you're getting the money to close, number one. But number two, it's not a sustainable number. 28 years ago, Angelos gets the team for 173 for $173 million. Here's what's happened since then in Baltimore. Uh, the team is in the crappa literally, they can't win. They've been rebuilding for what I feel like is forever. No World Series. I'm not even sure they've won a pennant Coca since 93. I'm not even sure the number of times this is gonna make Coca crazy on a holiday Monday morning because we didn't talk about it in the pre-show or any part of preparation. How many times have the Orioles made the playoffs since two, since 1993, if you had a guess? I'm going to say the over-under is four, and I'm going to say that's a pretty good market. But Coca may find it. He may not. And it, I, I can't hear you, Coca. Five. It's over four. <laughs> that's a pretty good market, Coca. The Orioles made the playoffs five times since 93. Not what I would call a successful franchise. Only three times since 2012. But that's not terrible. That's pretty good, actually. So it was two times from 93 to 12, three times since 12. It's actually more than I would have expected. I would have taken the under on that. In any case, what are the Orioles worth? Because Angelos, there are rumors that he will be selling soon. His sons run the team now. He has two sons, both of whom I've spent time with. Interesting family, interesting dynamic. A lot of families running baseball teams, as you know. That team will get... Let's call if the Marlins got 1-2 and they should have gotten 7. That means the Orioles will get, let's say, 1-4 to 1-5. Pretty good return for Angelos. So their payroll is down at 45, and here's why. The Suns don't want to lose money, as they shouldn't. Attendance at Camden Yards, it's no longer a new stadium. They were having great success as the beginning of the new stadium bubble. The new stadium is now old. I bet you they're in their 20th year in the new stadium. Is that possible, Coca? I bet you Camden Yards may be around for 20 years. Just to give you an idea of how long that is, when the Marlins signed a lease of the stadium deal that we negotiated, we signed a 38-year lease. And a 38-year lease seemed like a forever lease. Marlins Park is starting its 10th season this year. Time does fly. So Camden Yards, I'm guessing, opened in 91 or 92 um, Coca says <clears throat> ninety two, so that was close. So they are starting now their twentieth season. Incredible, just incredible. So people are complaining why their payroll is so low. Coco, what's wrong? Are you upset? Twenty nine, not twentieth. I did the math wrong. Thank you. Wait, ninety two oh two twelve. Twenty nine years Camden Yards has been around. Not nineteen. Thank you, Coca. It's a holiday for crying out loud. You know, I love you. It's a little meatloaf. Meatloaf, mom. Meatloaf. I love meatloaf. Is that one of the best? Bad Out of Hell for me is in the top five in terms of every track on the album is perfect. You don't skip any. Breakfast in America is a good one with Super Tramp. There's another one. I can't think of it right now, but th- those are two right now where every song is good. Anyway, so the Orioles have no payroll because they have no money. The stadium is old. They're going to have to start thinking about a new stadium. If that were Marlins Park, they'd only have nine years left before that's the end of Camden Yards. It's, that is mind-blowing. Literally, I may need a break right now, and My mind is blown. So the question that people have been asking publicly and privately is, is it bad for baseball to have teams like the Orioles and the Pirates At 40 million, 45 million, when you've got teams like the Dodgers at 100, at 250 million or more. And the answer to me, and this is not owner slanted or management slanted, the answer is no. And here's why Coca and I disagree. The difference between then and now is the level of smarts that comes with analytics and the lack of delusion that many teams have today in short supply. Let me make that a little more clear. For purposes of clarity, teams know more today whether or not they're good. And they don't dream of being good when they know they can't be good. They make sure that they take advantage of their window when they have a chance to be good and they keep money available for in-season additions at the deadline but they don't trick themselves into thinking they're good when they're not because they don't want to lose money on a year-to-year basis. Now you add COVID to that. You add the losses that were incurred last year, the losses that will certainly be incurred this year, and teams are acting rationally. Why aren't cruise ships in the water right now? Because no one would be on them. Why are there so few flights a day between pick two cities, LA and New York. Why? Because people aren't on them. Why would you have a payroll where people aren't watching and paying to watch in person and you don't have a window without expanded playoffs or even with expanded playoffs to compete? And I'm not saying and being inconsistent from the nothing personal last week when we talked about projections. And I told you that teams don't pay attention to outside projections. They don't. They pay attention to their own inside projections. The Pirates have zero chance of competing in the Central this year. Zero. The Orioles have zero chance of competing in the East. And you're going to say to me, which Coca did, if they spend money, they could compete. Just spend money. You're right. You're right, Coca. Owners should be forced to lose money for the possible chance that they can compete every single year. And we should put a floor in to guarantee it. Okay. Well, do you know why there's no floor in Major League Baseball, Coca? Because there's no cap. The union has been offered a salary cap every year I was in baseball give us a hard cap, and they say no. The rule is when you are going to have a hard cap, there's a dancing partner to a hard cap, and that's a hard floor. Owners are reluctant to have a floor, but they would do it for a cap. But the union didn't pay attention many, many years ago, and they allowed something called The competitive balance tax. And if we've learned something here on Nothing Personal, we've learned the competitive balance tax more times than not serves as a cap. The Dodgers are willing to go over it now because the Dodgers already know they'll be under it next year. Andrew Friedman, formerly of Tampa, very successful, now with LA, has built his team in a way that the only long-term commitments after this year, and this is off the top of my head, having looked at their roster, Mookie Betts, Justin Turner, who they just signed to two years, so maybe it's after two years, maybe it's after 22, when Kershaw's off the books, Kenley Jansen's off the books, everyone but Betts, Euler doesn't count. He's not a, he's just signed to a two-year extension. They will go and Bauer is two years. So I think I'm right. After 22, their payroll falls well below the cap, the tax, Freudian slip. What teams do is they prepare to pay the tax. They don't mistakenly go over the threshold. It's part of their budget just the same way teams prepare to cut when they need to, and when they're looking at their development and what their likelihood of success is on the field. If the union wants to try for a salary floor in these next collective bargain agreements, they should try. I think that a lockout will result or a strike, but I think the owners will lock them out first. We're gonna have a lot more time to talk about the labor issues. But the reason why you won't get a cap and a floor is that you will not get the votes from the owners because any floor that the union will demand will make it so teams will have to fight against their analytics, fight against their lack of delusion, and sign people like Edwin Jackson. Remember the Edwin Jackson sign Coco when the Cubs were rebuilding? And their owner was so upset about losing, they signed Edwin Jackson to $55 million and artificially raised the payroll for no reason when the team wasn't ready to win. Do you remember that signing? That signing was a huge deal in the arc of labor relations because it showed players that owners are not going to be disciplined. But then they got disciplined. They got smarter. They started listening to their baseball people more. Articles coming out left and right. Free agents are not getting the number of years and the number of dollars that they got just last year. What's happening? So many unsigned free agents. Hello? This has been going on for years. This is not COVID related, folks. This is baseball front offices saying we are not going to be emotional. We're going to be robotic. We are not going to sign players for more than they're worth when we've got replacements for those players who will, wait for it, outperform their contract. That is what's happening in baseball. If you don't like it as a fan, I don't want to be mean to fans because I'm not. Fans make the world go round. I want to be a fan again one day if I can. I'd love to be a fan. One of my New Year's, I was going to say All-Star, one of my New Year's resolutions was to go to a major league game this year. Finally, haven't been to one since my last game in 2017, October 2017. I want to be a fan. It's not that I'm too smart to be a fan. And it's not that some fans are too dumb to be fans. We're all the same. We are emotional when we're fans. We want our team to win always. It's not realistic. Love the front of the jersey, not the back. Hope for the miracle. Hope to be the one team that somehow, some way outperforms. That's yeah, not gonna happen. What happens when owners get emotional? Nothing good. We saw it this weekend, and boy did we ever see it. Justin Turner. Justin Turner, the guy who was pulled off the celebration when he was pulled out of the field, Game 6, World Series, tested positive for COVID-19. They pull him off the field. No one knows what's going on. And then all of a sudden he appears in the celebration with COVID. And I thought, wait to see, he'll get fined. Wasn't fined in an agreement with the union, becomes a free agent. He's the heart and soul of the Los Angeles Dodgers. The longest tenured position player. The non-tender by the Metropolitans. Was he a non-tender coca or a trade? I think he was like a David Ortiz, a non-tender. I think Justin Turner has been non-tendered. Anyway, Clayton Kershaw and Kenley Jansen have been around longer. Justin Turner, the third longest tenured Dodger. Part of this amazing eight-year streak of one World Series and eight division titles in a row. Free agent. He was coming off a deal, by the way. He got $64 million for four years from the Dodgers. Do you remember that? 64 for four. Well, four years have passed. He's 36 years old. In today's baseball, 36-year-old players, by definition, are not... What's the right way to say this, Coco? They've lost their ability to perform like they're a 70-year-old man. There are exceptions. Sometimes you can use medicine. But the general rule is, without help... It's not going to go well, but the Dodgers were in a position where they had to bring Justin Turner back. Don't think I was smart by tweeting out that Turner was going to be a a Dodger. Everyone knew Turner was going to be a Dodger. The Brewers offered him apparently the same terms, maybe even a a stup more than the Dodgers did. Of course, he was going back to the Dodgers. That's his legacy. I love Milwaukee. I tweeted that. I do. It's got a warm place in my heart. I was born there, family there, went to camp there. Everything. I, I'm just went to college in Wisconsin. If you're Justin Turner at 36 years old and you are offered a raise from your 16 million annual value that you got for four years and you're 36, and you had, eh, you're an okay third baseman, an okay, an okay performer, a superb clubhouse presence, but okay on the field. And you get a guaranteed $17 million for two more years? And you get to stay in LA? I was critical of the Lakers back in the day. I don't remember whether it was on nothing personal. I don't think it could have been. I think it was well before it. And I've talked about the pillow contract that the Lakers gave to Kobe when he wasn't able to perform at that level and it hurt the Lakers. Teams have a hard time. It's, an, it's a very interesting topic because there is no right answer. What do you do with an aging superstar? And make no mistake, Justin Turner is an aging star. In LA, he's an aging superstar. In baseball, he's just an aging, really good player. The worst thing that can happen to a team is also the best thing. The best thing that can happen to a team is the best thing for a player. The best thing that can happen to the team is a worst-case scenario for next year's team. The pressure to win after you've won a World Series is significant, and the desire to let real, emotionally attached players and performers leave is so strong that you don't do it. The Dodgers let Kiki Hernandez go, and you could say that he's some sort of emotional center. He's a bench player. Let's not get crazy. Kiki Hernandez and Justin Turner don't belong in the same stratosphere. The same discussion at all. So when you win, you chase it and you chase it. And the Dodgers have doubled down in trying to do something that hasn't happened since the Yankees in 98 to 2000. They bring in Bauer on a luxury tax friendly deal that helps Bauer and the Dodgers by giving him the most money anyone ever made, but spreading it out over a three year deal. They bring Turner back at 17. They go way over the threshold, but they do it all knowing it's temporary. So for those other teams in the NL West, here's what you're doing. You're the Rockies, you're the Diamondbacks. You're saying, okay, it's not our time, but it's coming again soon. We will have another window and we're gonna be ready That's why Arenado was traded. You think the Padres can catch the Dodgers, Coca? There's no chance. The Dodgers are a juggernaut. Doesn't mean they're going to win the World Series. But man, they just signed. You know what bothered me about this weekend? One more Dodgers thing. I'm sorry, but I just have to mention it. Austin Barnes is a player whose career I'm following closely because he was a quote unquote throw in in a trade we did in 2014 when we traded Chris Hatcher and Austin Barnes and Andrew Heaney to the Dodgers, I can't remember who else we traded. We got back D Gordon and Dan Heron and we needed the Dodgers to pay Dan Heron's salary. They agreed to pay all of Dan Heron's salary if we would give them Austin Barnes. And I remember clear as day in the winter meetings, that year, telling our baseball people who said to me, Don't trade Austin Barnes. He is a big leaguer. We don't need to include him. And I remember saying, We are going to let a minor league catcher get in the way of getting D. Gordon and Dan Heron. And by the way, we also got Kiki Hernandez in that deal. Thank you, Coca. We did. That was a very big trade. It was Hernandez, D. Gordon, and Heron. Who did we give up, Coca? I can't even remember. We definitely, oh no, we traded Kike to the Dodgers, excuse me. This is what happens when you're in the game for 18 years. You make a million trades. I can't remember where we got Kike. Anyway, we got Miggy Rojas, who's still on the team, D Gordon, Dan Heron, and we gave them Kike Hernandez, Chris Hatcher, Austin Barnes, Andrew Heaney. That may be it in any case. Austin Barnes was not a throw-in. The Dodgers took advantage. They used their money to take advantage of teams with less money. And that's what's made the Dodgers so good. They have the money to throw around and use as a sword. We knew that we were being taken advantage of. Our baseball people did. But I was so concerned, as was the owner, with trying to win at the big league level that there's no way a reliever-like catcher or a backup catcher who's not even in the big leagues is going to stop that sort of trade when we're getting three big leaguers back in Hernandez and Heron and Gordon. Heron was finished, by the way. Gordon was great until steroids, until he stopped taking steroids, I should say. So Austin Barnes this weekend signed a two-year deal. He avoided arbitration and a two-year deal, guaranteeing him, Let's say four and a half million dollars. The rate for backup catchers. When the union complains to you, and this is a little sort of management slanted comment, but when the union says that there's been no upward mobility in salaries, maybe at the high end, they're wrong. Trevor Bauer just got 40 million a year. At the low end, they're wrong. It used to be the minimum salary was 220 grand, 180 grand, 70 grand. Now it's 600 grand. The backup catchers used to get paid seven seventy five, eight and a quarter. A really good backup. I'm talking the best of the best backup catchers. You got yourself a mill. Now they're getting two. Add that up. Add it up. Congratulations, Austin. I'm happy for you. We shouldn't have traded you. All right, we got so much to review. I wish we could do two reviews a day. I've been on a binge of movies it's that time of year everything's coming out we've got golden globes oscars screen actors guild everything and we're going to start with judas and the black messiah and we are also going to talk about because we're going to it's important to talk about uh, something that happened in jacksonville over the weekend and there was no chance i was going to avoid that we'll be right back
1: Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to Bluehost.com slash Wondersuite. That's Bluehost.com slash Wondersuite.
2: The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing. But you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. You're not ready if it's not ready hour foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com
0: Welcome back to Nothing Personal. Thank you. Please, you already made it through the commercials. Please download, subscribe, Nothing Personal, but tell your friends about it. We're on YouTube. Nothing personal with David Sampson. I've got a background here, but there may be times when the background's different. Spoiler alert. There may be times when the background is different. What does that mean? Hmm. Wait to see part of nothing personal is we watch a movie every day. I've been doing that for 19 years. No, I'm just kidding. 29 years. Ha. if you are retending, retending, If you have good retention on nothing personal and you've listened to the whole show, you'll get exactly what that means. If you just turned it on now, you have no idea what I'm talking about. Camden Yards, 29 years old. Holy crap. So I watched Judas and the Black Messiah. Daniel Kaluuya from Get Out. Lakeith Stanfield from Get Out. Are the stars. True story about the head of the Chicago chapter of the Black Panthers. His name is Fred Hampton. The guy from Breaking Bad and El Camino and who was in that uh, movie this year with, um, oh God, Coca, I wanna say it was a Charlie Kaufman movie and it's like, it's about everything or it's let's talk about something. Anyway, his name is Jesse Clemens. He plays an FBI agent. The Stanfield plays a character named Bill O'Neill, a small time criminal. I'm thinking of ending things. Thank you, Coca. You are on it. You are, you are locked in, baby. Locked in. He's got 20 tabs open, four screens, two soundboards and a player to be named later. I shouldn't be joking right now because Judas and the Black Messiah is no joke. Here's the story. Fred Hampton runs the Chicago chapter of the Black Panthers. The Black Panthers, back in the late 60s, were a radical organization that favored violence and killing the police. You could argue that in our history, in our country, there have been many different groups of people who have favored killing those in charge, trying to overcome their oppression. I'm not opining on that. I am opining on killing innocent people. I am opining on violence and war as a way to solve conflict, though it's the oldest way to solve conflict in history, there's war, that's what there is, that's what you do. When you don't agree with someone's religion or you want their land or their property or their people, all right, we're gonna kill you, nice. By the way, we started that with the Native Americans. So this movie is misleading and it's misleading in a very significant way. Do you know how old Fred Hampton was, spoiler alert, when he got assassinated, twenty-one. How old's Daniel Kalua, Coca? I'll bet you a Dollar. He's not twenty-one. He doesn't even look twenty-one. He's a decade older. How old's How old's Lakeith Stanfield? Is he twenty? The FBI got Lakeith Stanfield, Bill O'Neill, to become an informant because he didn't want to go to prison. So he works, he's 29 years old in real life. Lakeith, Bill O'Neill was 17, 18, 19, 20 when he died. These were kids that the FBI took advantage of, put them into the Black Panthers and ended up assassinating Fred Hampton. Literally assassinating him after he had been drugged and was sleeping. I'm not spoiling the movie because that's not the point of the movie. The point of the movie is for you to watch it and for you to decide whether or not what the FBI did was right, whether or not what the Black Panthers did was right, and then third, finally, and most importantly, how do we stop this from happening again? what That's all I was thinking for the entire two-hour movie. What do we do So movies like this, movies like Mississippi Burning don't have to be made anymore because there are no historical events that would lead to it. Is it possible? Am I dreaming? Do you know Bill O'Neill, the FBI informant who was part of the assassination of Fred Hampton? Do you know what happened to him at the end of his life? Well, I'd like you to watch the movie because I'm not going to spoil that part. It is mind boggling and incredibly not surprising how it all ends. It's called Judas and the Black Messiah. I would say that uh, it got Daniel Kaluuya got nominated for supporting actor. There's a song that got nominated, did not get nominated for best picture, not get nominated for best director. I agree with that. The movie itself was choppy. The movie itself was inconsistent, but the movie itself is important. Judas and the Black Messiah, HBO Max. Nothing personal pick of the day. Anyone remember Friday? Because I do. What was the game? It was the game of the night. Jazz Bucks, best team in the West, best team in the NBA, against a team I picked to win the finals amongst the best teams in the East. For whatever reason, the Jazz were only giving one and a half, which makes no sense at all. So we took them. We're now 19 and 16. They won 129, 115. If you're not a Jalever, a Jazz Lever, I've been to Utah. Has anyone actually seen Jazz in Utah? Do you know why they're called the Utah Jazz? Back in my day, there was a team in New Orleans, not called the Pelicans. They were called the New Orleans Jazz. Now, there is jazz in New Orleans. That sort of makes sense. But then they moved to Utah, and they never renamed them. I've never been to a jazz club in Utah. Anyway, the Jazz are the best team in basketball. We're 19 and 16. There's a game tonight where the line is just off. The Clippers are giving five and a half to the Heat. I think that line represents the Clippers of last year playing the heat of last year when the heat were in the finals and the Clippers disintegrated in the playoffs under former coach Doc Rivers. There's a new sheriff in town and his name is Ty Lou and the Clippers have found a way. I was going to say Paul Pierce. It's not Paul Pierce. It's Paul George and Kawhi Leonard are better as a super two than Jimmy Butler and Hero, Jimmy Butler, and Max, Jimmy Butler, and Bam, Gorin, any of them. It's just, there's something wrong, which worries me, actually. We're taking the Clippers, five and a half over the heat. Okay, wait to see. We got to catch up on a couple things. So, wait to see is when we tell you something's going to happen, We keep track of every wait to see. This is like the 310th episode of Nothing Personal, not counting bonus episodes or sit downs. Sort of the 310th episode like this, where we just turn on the camera, turn on the microphone, and we just go for 45 minutes. And then we post it to you. And then you tell me when I'm wrong, when I'm right. Wait to see. One thing about Nothing Personal, we give you no BS. We talk about what's trending, we talk about what's interesting to me, to you, entertainment, sports, politics, not just a baseball podcast, but we're thankfully number one on Spotify, number one baseball podcast, but we do more. One of the things that we do that's different is we will always revisit when we're wrong. July 17th, 2020, we said Brian Anderson of the Marlins, where there was talk of him signing an extension an extension candidate as the best player on a Marlins team. I said, Brian Anderson will not get a long-term deal before arbitration because I know the Marlins and they don't have any scratch. They do not want a long-term deal because Brian Anderson will not take the discount that will be required. Well, he went to arbitration, settled at a one-year deal, 3.8. That's a yes. We got that way to see right. A couple months later on November 5th, 2020, J.J. Watt took the podium and boy, did he MF his own team, the Houston Texans. Very different from the video he posted this weekend. And it was a video of love. And I love him. He's a Wisconsin guy. I love him. I want him on the Packers. I want to dream that he can be who he was, but he's not. Father time is once again undefeated. On November 5th, when he went public against his team, we have to be better, do better, try harder, all of us. I said to you that day, J.J. Watt will not be on the Texans in 2021. And you said to me, no way. Well, he just got released. That's a yes. J.J. Watt got released by the Texans. And the video posted by J.J. said, we mutually agreed to part ways. Okay. Now there's 15 teams who want him, 20 teams, 31 teams want J.J. Watt on their team. That's not the question you should be asking yourself. What are they going to pay him? That's the only question you should ask yourself. Will he get more money from his new team than what he would have been owed by the Texans? I'm just curious. No chance. We got the wait to see right. JJ Watt is not a Texan. People are saying, why would the Texans? I heard someone, I can't remember where, Coca, did I see it on Twitter or somewhere, where someone was trying to imply that there could be some race involved and that Deshaun Watson wants to get traded and he's not allowed to leave. JJ Watts wants to leave and they let him leave. To compare the Watson situation to the JJ Watt situation and use color as a means of comparison is insulting to those of us who don't use color to evaluate anything. We evaluate money and skill and talent. When you've got a player like Deshaun Watson on your team, who is in the prime of his career, and that player wants to be traded and you give in to that request, then you've become Derek Jeter. JJ Watt has not been an above average performer on defense in how long, Coca? Am I wrong? You're the football guy, how long? Is it two years? Three years? You don't trade Watson if you're the Texans and you do release JJ Watt, period. As much as it hurts. He is the franchise. All right, what's our wait to see today? We're going to go back to the Dodgers. Can we do that, Coca? So I don't know whether it was this weekend. I think we talked about it on last week's show or the week before. I can't remember what. And uh, by the way, for a, uh, a bonus, I got to show you something on the show. Go to YouTube and subscribe. And if, if we get to, we got to get to 2,000 subscribers. Once we get to 2,000 subscribers, the first subscriber after that who then tells me what this is, is gonna get a piece of memorabilia. And if you're listening to this right now, go to YouTube, subscribe, and then once 2000 comes and you get this right, who is this? Who is this? Hello. And it's not Wilson. So we talked about Walker Bueller, he signed the two year deal to avoid arbitration. He's in the same rotation. People were saying, how could he only make $4 million when Trevor Bauer's making 40? I hear you. Except Trevor Bauer's a free agent. He's earned that right. Walker Bueller has not. Here's the wait to see. And it's going to be tough for the Dodgers to hear this. I think this is going to be right. And we're going to know at the end of 2021 whether it is. This wait to see expires on closing day 2021. Walker Bueller will have a better season than Trevor Bauer, measuring it the old-fashioned way. More wins and a lower ERA. Now, to win this, wait to see, both players have to qualify for the ERA title, which means if Trevor Bauer throws a shutout or Walker Bueller throws a shutout and then is out for the rest of the year, I can't say that, wow, Trevor Bauer had the lower ERA at 0.00. Can't do that. Not going to do it. Both players have to qualify for this wait-to-see to to apply. And I think Walker Bueller is a better pitcher than Trevor Bauer and will end up having a better season. Wait-to-see. All right. We're going to end this show on a topic that uh, we told you was going to happen. I believe it was a show last week when Urban Meyer hired the new coach of Jacksonville, hired someone named Chris Doyle, the former strength coach, for the Iowa, um, they're not the Buckeyes, Coca. The Iowa uh, Hawkeyes, OMG. The Iowa Hawkeyes, they fired him because he was abusive and potentially racist. Urban mayor, who is the savior for Jacksonville, making them good again, brings in Chris Doyle as part of his coaching staff and says, we've edited him. Remember, we did a whole segment on that where Chris Doyle said, don't worry, I promise I'm good. And I went through the whole interview. Check out the show last week. I showed you what that interview was like between Urban Meyer and Chris Doyle. where Chris Doyle just said, I'm good. And Urban said, I'm good. If you're good, we're both good. Let's go. Guess what? Nothing was good. Urban Meyer released the following statement this weekend. Chris Doyle came to us this evening to submit his resignation, and we have accepted Chris did not want to be a distraction to what we are building in Jacksonville. We are responsible for all aspects of our program. And in retrospect, should have given greater consideration to how his appointment may have affected all involved. And then the way you end everything. We wish him the best as he moves forward in his career. Hey, Urban, I just got a small, tiny, nothing personal question. It's small. I thought you vetted him, fully vetted him. I get it. You vetted him, but you didn't give any consideration to how his hiring would impact players on your team, fans of your team, and the league as a whole who's doing everything it can to dispel the notion that it's racist. Yeah, I didn't take that into consideration. Why would you take that into consideration? I want to surround myself with the best coaches to turn this program around. Go team. Oh, by the way, Chris Doyle didn't resign. You know that. I know that. Why would Urban insult us with that statement? He, out of nowhere, Chris Doyle was on Twitter and said, Man, I'm getting some heat. I, I, I better resign. Hey, Urban, I'm, I'm resigning. Can I come over to your house? I'm resigning. Will you please accept it, please, for me? It'll make me so much happier if you accept it. I'll feel so much better about myself. Urban said, hold on, let me talk to the owner. Let me talk to Roger. Let me see where we are. I don't know if I want to accept it. I don't think we should accept it. I think we're good. I think this will blow over. No problem. Chris, be at my house in five minutes on Zoom. Hey, uh, Chris, I'm super sorry about this. And believe me, I have no other choice. But we're going to have to let you go. It turns out that your past in Iowa is having an impact on us. It turns out that the NFL can't handle what I thought it could. It turns out that Jacksonville can't handle what I thought they could. It turns out that our owner, didn't give me the right to build my coaching staff the way I thought he could. I don't want you to resign and I don't want to fire you. But here's what we're going to do. You're fired. We're going to pay you and you're going to resign and we're going to wish you well. Urban, do you think that Doyle has a chance of getting another coaching job? I'm just curious. Do you think when you hired him, that no one would notice, no one would care, it's 2021. Those days are over. To all owners out there, you give the power to your people to hire, you better watch out. You better make sure that they are giving proper consideration to things that they normally wouldn't. Because it's not just about winning. It's not just about having the best people. It's about having the right people. And when you don't have the right people, you know what suffers? Yes, you do. Hey, Chris, before we hang up, I just wanted to say, it's just business.
2: We're totally sorry. It's nothing personal.